the end of the world. Would you stand with me? Let's read a passage from the book of Acts, chapter 1. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the strength and the hope that are in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint our ears and anoint our hearts, quicken us, make us alive to what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I also uh, want to remind you on Christmas Day, those of you who are not regular swackers over the last few years, that on Christmas Day we have a service from 11 until noon, and it'll be the 25th annual, and it does indeed start at 11. So if you get here at 11.20, you will have missed a third of the service, because it also does indeed end at noon, and it is a wonderful way to spend the day. When Jesus came the first time, he came into something called the world. Everybody know what the world is? Okay, it's a trick question. But <laughs> came into something called the world, and it, the world is sometimes a little bit confusing because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so you go, wow, yeah, God loves the world. But this same writer, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So what's going on here? I mean, one verse tells us God loves the world. Another verse tells us don't love the world because God doesn't. If you do, you won't have the love of God inside of you. Well, uh, some people would look at that and go, well, the Bible's confusing. No, the Bible's not confusing. English is confusing. And uh, language is confusing. And maybe the world can mean more than one thing. And in fact, the world can mean at least four things. Uh, one of the things that the world can mean is the universe. We don't tend to naturally think of it that way, but if you look back at the Greek word that is translated world, and it's not one of those real tough Greek words, it's a Greek word that you're probably familiar with, only they spell, we spell it with a C, they spelled it with a K. The word is cosmos. 
And so the cosmos, the universe, everything that exists, everything we see and everything that we don't see. And by the way, scientists believe that we see that the visible universe comprises about 3% of the real universe. The invisible is 97%. Quite important. So it can be the universe. The world can also mean the earth, which is a specialized part of the universe. It's just one little bitty infinitesimal dot in the universe. But most of the time when we think of the word the world, that's what we're thinking about. That's, that's what we're referencing is this, is this planet. And so it can certainly mean that. The world can also mean the people on this planet or the people in the universe if there are some other people, some other places. But all we know about is here, so that's the only frame of reference that we've got. But that's one of the things that it can mean. And then lastly, the world can mean the system that currently governs this planet. And I say currently because that's the key word. Ultimately, it won't. But right now, yes, indeed, money does make the world go round. Yes, indeed, might does make right. Yeah, there, there is a system in place, and it's really not a very good one. But that's the fourth meaning of it. God loves the first three. John 3.16 is really currently, clearly referring to number three, uh, and maybe by inference as well, one and two, but certainly... Uh, number three, because it says, whosoever believes in him. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that if people believe in him, they'll not perish but have everlasting life. So he's, he's referring to that, that particular verse is referring to this third reference to the world. And First John is clearly referring to the fourth reference that can be used up here. This one is incompatible with God's love. Money does not make the world go round in, in God's economy. Regardless of what you might come to believe if you watched some religious TV shows or attended some churches. That's just, money's just a thing. It's going to be gone and really it's just paper. It's like when, when, the, uh, when the market had a big crash back in the mid-80s. I don't know how many of you are old enough really to remember that, but uh, back, I think, probably 86, 87, there was a pretty hefty crash, and um, uh, Sam Walton was, I think, supposed to be the richest man, if not in the world, certainly in the United States at that time, and I think in the world, and um, I, I don't know, the day that it crashed, he lost several billion dollars, and I love his comment. They asked him, well, what, do you, what do you think about that? You lost several billion dollars today. And his comment was, just paper, just numbers. That's all it is. And that's all that, that money actually is. It's not really particularly important in God's economy, ultimately, in God's kingdom. Might does not necessarily, well, it doesn't make right. Truth makes right. God makes right. Righteousness makes right. In God's economy. And so one of these, the fourth one is incompatible with God's, with God's love. It's incompatible with God's system. It, it comprises the elements of the fall. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. When the, when the serpent tempted Eve, she, she saw that, the, that the, 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 the fruit that she was being tempted with was pleasant to look at and 
also pleasant to eat and also useful for gaining knowledge, gaining wisdom. So she was enticed by the sight of it, the, the, the taste of it, and by the fact that she could become somebody that she didn't know she already was because God had already made us in his image. And, one is, and, and that one is passing away. It, it will not exist forever. The kingdom of God will. Jesus was born into all four of these. He, he came to save number three. I mean, we sung about that several times today, and the, and the madrigals sung about that. And we know it so much that it's kind of like, you know, as I'm, as I'm talking about Jesus came to save people, there's a tendency for us to go out there and, and you know, to sit there and think, yada, 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 because we know it. But what an incredible fact that is. He came to save people, us. And he came to destroy, number four. He came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to destroy the works of the devil. When Jesus ascended into heaven, a prophetic word was given. And we read it today. I love the fact that when Jesus did most of the things that we read about him doing, he did it publicly. You know, most of his, his miracles were public. It wasn't like, you know, they occurred and then uh, uh, news was spread that, oh, did you hear that he did such and such? No, a lot of people saw it. And when he went into heaven, a lot of people saw it. There were, in fact, I believe uh, Paul references later on some, maybe 500? Am I, am I, I'm asking the wrong Anyway, it's, so, so, somebody will correct me after the service, and that'll be fine, but you can, uh, you can look at that. He, he, saw, he was seen by a, a lot, of, lot of people publicly, and, and two men appeared and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This, this same Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. This isn't the only reason why we expect him to return either. If the Bible is true at all, certainly if the New Testament is true at all, then he's coming back physically. Matthew 24, 26 through 27, Jesus said this. If anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, don't go out. Or here he is in the inner room, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This guy who did his miracles publicly, this guy who, who turned water into wine at a party where nobody was expecting a miracle to take place, this, this guy who fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, I mean, did, did things where people could see it. When he comes back, everybody's going to see it. And you may go, well, duh. Well, listen, there, there are... <laughs> There are those who will tell you that he's already come, but it was invisible. He's, he's already returned, but it was a, it, his return is a spiritual return. It's not a physical return. Lightning is a physical thing, and people see it. And when he comes back, it's going to be like lightning. And everyone will see it because he said that they would. So if somebody tells you that he's here and you didn't see him come back, don't believe them. They're wrong because you'll see it when it happens. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul is, is writing to the Thessalonians, <laughs> I guess. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are, who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Jesus is coming back, and we tend to use that as a threat. We tend to use that as Jesus is coming back, and he is ticked off. But that's not how Paul says to use it. Paul says encourage each other with it. Jesus is coming back. It's not going to stay this way forever. You know, we are so blessed. And, and you know, I, I don't know what your situation is. Uh, you know, you may, have, you may be out of work. You may have pressure on you. You may have, you may not know how you're going to make the mortgage payment, you know, I, and I'm sure that there are people here who fit that description, but I, I'm also sure that there's really nobody here who doesn't know whether, if they're going to be able to get any food today. There's nobody here who likely doesn't know if they're going to be able to stay dry this, this evening. You know, they'll have a place to shelter. And there's clearly nobody here wondering if, there's, if they're going to be able to have clothes to put on their body. I mean, everybody's got that, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And, but the reason why I say those things is that is not the norm on this planet. That is not the norm in this world. And really, all it takes, even, even here... You know, land of plenty, land of the free, home of the brave. All it takes is just one really good natural disaster. And we might not know where I'm going to get any food today. It's not going to stay this way. That's life in a fallen world. It's going to change because he's going to come back. Paul reiterated it again. In 2 Thessalonians, he said, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you, give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. And Peter says over in 2 Peter, several, this is a fairly long passage. I've got it broken up in several. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And then verses 9 and 10, he goes, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. He's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, home of righteousness. I said that if the Bible is true, especially the New, the New Testament, but the Old Testament has hints of it as well. If it's true, he's coming back, and he's coming back physically. Matthew proclaimed it. Luke proclaimed it. Paul proclaimed it. John, Peter, all agree Jesus is going to physically return to this earth. No, no mistaking about it. 
And when we, th- when we think in the Advent season of his first coming, we're to, we're to also think about his second coming because I believe very much so that we're closer to that one than we are to the other one. However, we should not be concerned about the length of time. That shouldn't disturb us. Peter is saying there, you know, people will be scoffing and going, well, (laughs) ever since our fathers passed away, we've heard he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Where is this, this coming? Don't be disturbed about it. I mean, think for a moment about the first time he came. At the very least, there was an expectancy of his first coming from the time of Moses on, and that would have, at the very, you know, it's, it's hard to, to place Moses time-wise, whether he would have been around 1500 B.C. or around 1200 B.C. But in either event, uh, you know, at the very least, it was 1200 years that they were waiting. I know we've waited 2,000, but, you know, at the very least, it was 1200 years before he came. And by that time, people were going, uh, you, you know there were people going, no, it ain't, ain't, ain't happening. No Messiah's coming. In truth, he was foretold to Adam and Eve, which means at least 4,000 years they were waiting on him. Now, if you're a, uh, you know, if you're a literalist who, who reads the Bible more like a, a textbook, then 4,000 years. If you're a poet who reads the Bible more like poetry, then it might have been many, many more years, but they were waiting for him a long time. And he came. And he came. So it's not, see, God doesn't look at time the way we do. When it, uh, (laughs) the Bible isn't a math book, okay? I I can promise you that. And when it says that a day where the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, that's not a formula to plug in somewhere. That just simply means he doesn't look at time the way we look at time. A day could be a thousand years. Thousand years could just be a day, or anything in between. You know, that's that's the way, that's the way eternity measures things. That's the way that that eternity looks at things. He came the first time. He will come again because the scripture must be fulfilled. And for those who want to know the time, we'll cover that in the first series next year. What will his coming mean? The end of the world. Yay. At least part four of the world in terms of its meaning. Will the physical world be destroyed? That's a, that's a, that's a good question because that doesn't seem to be something that you'd want to be around for. But you know what? You, people flock to watch it on the screen. You know, if there's, if there's like disaster movie, the whole world is going to be destroyed on this movie. Wow, I got to go see that. That is so cool. Well, just think how cool it would be to actually be there. <laughs> and especially, especially if, if, if you're one of the redeemed and you're just kind of watching it, or you're just kind of there and you're, I don't know how he's going to do that. You know, I, I got... I think that probably um, I live on a hill, and if that hill fell down and I was on it, 
I think I would get hurt. But, you know, I think he's going to do something special. I mean, if, I'm, if we're here when that happens, I know the, the rapture thing, we'll talk about that in the first series next year. But, you know, if I'm here when that happens, I think I'm going to have like holy body armor kind of thing, you know, that makes you impervious to, to heat and makes you impervious to mountains falling down all around you, makes you impervious to seas boiling, and you just get to look at this stuff like in real 3D. With surround sound. <laughs> I mean, Peter, uh, Peter says, uh, well, no, I'm, that's Isaiah for crying out loud. Okay, Peter did say, although we didn't read it, that the elements would melt in fervent heat. Isaiah says, he's quoting God, says, Behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The foremost things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind. So, you know, after you get to see that really cool movie of the earth being destroyed, wouldn't you like to have been there at creation? Wouldn't you like to have been there to see the, see the grasses begin to come up, to see the, see the hills begin to be formed, to see the, the animals come forth and things? He's going to do it again. And we get to see it. John says over in, in Revelation, same thing. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Well, if he's making everything new, then the old stuff probably got took to the dump. Taken to the dump. Sorry about that. <laughs> Peter declared, we're expecting a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So yes, physical world's probably going to be destroyed, and boy, will that be a show. More importantly, the system will be destroyed and be replaced by the kingdom. And what does this mean? Well, we can get quickly confused trying to sort out all the details, but, but here are some highlights. The world is full of grief. Anybody know that? The world is full of disappointment. The world is full of pain. The world is full of yeah, I know. I see trees of green, red roses too. I mean, you know, it's a wonderful world, but it's got some bad. St Was that good? Was it? I, you can't tell. It's like, but no, no, no. Okay, no, we're not going there. But I just wondered. I mean, that was my. It was pure curiosity. Uh, but the world's got some bad stuff in it, and some of it's happening right now, right this second. A lot of tears being shed. But when the new world is created, when, when, when the new world comes and takes place, it says the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No more. Can you even imagine that? It's, it's like, I would say it's like your wedding day every day, but the thing is, wedding days are pretty tense sometimes. So it's like whatever the happiest day is you've ever had. For everybody. Every, oh, no. We can't even begin to fathom. That's, what the, that's, that's one of the differences in the world system and the kingdom and what will happen when he comes. The world is subject to decay. Things happen. We make things happen. And to be honest, you know, when I, when I look at that picture of that bird, it makes me mad. It just really does, because I'm going, why, why do we do stuff like that? I mean, 
this bird's just flying along, trying to live, you know, ends up in some stuff. And people in uh, the, the first picture up there that you really probably couldn't see very well, uh, we didn't hear a whole lot about in this country, but there was, there was like a huge infusion of toxic slime in, in Hungary that, uh, that took place and just basically destroyed the lives of a lot of people. For, and, and this kind of stuff happens. The, the world, and it's not just because, you know, well, we're so bad and we're so evil. No, it's subject to decay. This world can't last when the new world comes. Paul says over in Romans chapter 8 that the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I mean, you know, can you imagine a world that, well, basically, usually it looks like that. And the, and, and the cities don't look like cities we've got. The cities look like something clean and pure and pristine. That's a difference. That will happen when he returns, when he comes. This world is subject to death. I remember, I don't know how old I was. I must have been, I might have been six. But uh, there was this, uh, there was this family in our, in our community. It was a little community. I mean, 300 people live there. And, you know, we'd been in the community for a couple of years at that point. My dad was a pastor. And so, you know, we knew, everybody knew everybody in Millersville, Tennessee. And they don't anymore, but they did then. And uh, there was this, uh, I, I'm trying to think, I think the guy's name was Caleb. I believe it was. And uh, uh, I, I know he was, he was an old kid. He was like a third grader. So, I mean, you know, I was thinking, this, this is, he's a big kid. And he was riding his bicycle to school, and this truck came along, and a tire came off and hit the kid and killed him. And they had the funeral at our church. My dad preached the funeral, and I remember, I remember going to it, and I remember being six, and I remember all these people just just wailing, just, you know, crying. And, and as a six, I mean, and I didn't really know him. He was just a big, scary kid to me, to be very honest. But I found myself crying and wailing for those people, for, for the pain that I saw them suffering, what was going on in their lives. And everybody here can identify with that. Everybody here has been in, some of those situations. This world is subject to death. When we sin, death entered into the world. But in the new world, the one that's coming, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things is passing away. I find that very exciting. I find that something to really look forward to. When my parents passed away, it, it, 
you know, it wasn't the way that it is with most people. They both lived good, long lives. They both had lived their whole lives, or at least certainly all I knew about their lives, with an expectancy of going to see Jesus and going home to be with the Lord. And, and you know, we sang all those songs about seeing him. So when they went, for me, I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't cry either time. And it wasn't because I didn't love them. It wasn't because I didn't miss them. It was because, yeah... This is, this is what we do. We, we live our lives for the Lord, and then we go see Him. That's natural. But it's going to be so good when we no longer have to go see Him. We'll be with Him. There'll be no death. And, you know, and I'm not, not going to even get into justice and righteousness and provision and peace and all of those things that, that will change. There's a lot that's going to change when he comes back. And it's going to be so traumatic, but it is going to be so worth it. Maybe with the last one, Isaiah. Are you familiar with this one? Isaiah 65, 25, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. Uh, well, I left out the lion will lie down with the lamb <laughs> but they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain says the lord what an exciting what an exciting promise they will neither harm nor destroy nobody will be in fear nobody of fear of other people fear of the elements fear of wild animals nothing fear of darkness None of it. It'll be a totally foreign concept for there to be destruction or hurt that will take place. Some of you know this word. Everyone should become familiar with it. It's a King James word. Most of the modern translations don't use it. 1 Corinthians 16.22 Paul uses the word Maranatha. And it literally means, come, O Lord. And it's the New Testament. That cry is throughout the New Testament. That, that word may not necessarily be used all those places, but that cry is throughout the New Testament. In fact, the, the, the book ends by saying, the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. And he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. He is coming. And I hope you're excited about it. And I want to encourage you with it. But are you ready? Are you ready for his coming? I don't have all the answers. I don't know how everything's going to sort out. I don't know how God is going to do a whole bunch of things. But I know that it's different living life in fear of his coming from living life in expectancy of his coming. Very different thing. Life takes on a whole different purview once you cross over that line and go, yeah, I'm ready. I'm looking for him. I want him to come now. Once, once we become not so enfranchised in what this world that is passing away is all about, 
and begin to become enfranchised in the kingdom that is coming. That's why he came and died for us. That's what he came to make possible for us to do. And that's where our focus should be in this season. Would you stand with me? Mayan calendar ran, runs out on December 21st. And I don't think that means anything, to be honest with you, except that the Mayans quit. Actually, the Mayans ran out a long time before their calendar did, so I don't know how trustworthy <laughs> that is. And to be very honest, I, if you were to say, well, when is he coming back? I'd say, I can tell you when he's not coming back, and that's December 21st, 2012, because... He's coming back when we're not expecting him. That's what it said. But if it did, I'm so okay with that. I am so all right with that. I will have only had my iPhone four days at that point, but I'll be ready to give it up. Absolutely ready to give it up. I'm looking for him to come back. For those who are going to pray with people, come down front here. If you're here and you need prayer, it's a wonderful season. It's a hard season as well. You know what? Every season's a hard season because this is a fallen world. That's going to change, but it hadn't yet. If you need prayer for something, if you need God to do something for you, just simply want to change in your life or in your heart you come we're gonna we're gonna worship for a few moments we'll wait for you the altar's open feel the love you can come yeah. when all is said and done everyone is gone Oh! 
God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world that we might have life and we might not perish. May the hope of his coming, may the fulfillment of his promise be deep in your heart and may it motivate and drive your actions in the way you see this world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.